Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I'm your host, Meredith Loftus, aka your friendly neighborhood fangirl. The Shadow and Bone series has debuted on Netflix and has introduced the world to the Grishaverse and seemingly reintroduced the world to Ben Barnes. This 39-year-old actor has been in the public conscience since about 2007 in his film debut in Stardust, going on to star in roles in The Chronicles of Narnia, Westworld, and even the Netflix Marvel Universe. In the height of Tumblr, he was the internet's perfect British boyfriend, and honestly, the fanfare over him and his career has only grown, especially now with this new Netflix series. And I really want to look at like why this is. So as always, I am not alone. Returning to the Fangirl Forum, all the way back from episode three, crazy. Please welcome back Laura Cool. Hi, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this topic. This is a topic I feel like I deserve a PhD in. I'm so excited <laughs> for you, and I'm so excited that I can give you the platform to earn that PhD. You know what I mean? <laughs> and making her Fangirl Forum debut, give it up for Features Editor for Screen Rant, Alicia Grouso. Hi, I'm very excited. Like, Laura, I'm very excited to be here. Long time fan of, of Ben Bonds. So yes, yeah. Ben Bonds. Okay. So I'm going to say this real quick because I'm so bad at doing this. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Oh my gosh. Spoilers. We're going to cover all of Ben Barnes's career. So spoilers possibly for Westworld, Chronicles of Narnia, definitely Shadow and Bone, all the things. So just saying it, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. I feel like the statute of limitations has probably expired on Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> I mean, for sure, but I feel <laughs> as though I needed to have that extra, you know, oh, yeah. just in case, let's just cover, cover the whole thing in mm -hmm. a spoiler warning. But back to Ben Barnes. Ben Barnes, original internet boyfriend man who has been around for so long it feels like he's just been around in my life forever when <laughs> were you introduced to ben barnes you know i actually think i probably first saw him in stardust but i really noticed him we'll say when i decided oh this is the man that i'm going to crush on for the rest of my life was the first chronicles of narnia because he really wasn't in Stardust. He was just in like the opening flashback scene and then he was kind of out of it. So and a baby Charlie Cox and Henry oh Cavill. Gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, that was a that was a stack cast, like top to bottom. But I digress. But yeah, so I saw him first in Stardust, but then I really will say appreciated his talents the first time in the Chronicles of Narnia when he played Prince Caspian. I have to say the same because you can't deny he's Prince Caspian. Like when they announced, oh, Ben Barnes is Prince Caspian. A lot of people read uh, Chronicles of Narnia at that time, like, you know, for, from childhood. So we're like, okay, who's going to be Prince Caspian? And they showed this really beautiful looking British person with like dark hair and dark eyes and just like British. Um, it, it was, it's, I was just like, okay, that man is, is, is beautiful. So Laura, Laura, you get me. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you and I, we same, we're the same. <laughs> and yeah. So I think that's when I was introduced to him, but uh, you know, I just watched the movie and stuff, but I really got invested in him probably like I, I saw the big wedding in 2013 mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my God, this guy grew up. But then, you know, I'm younger than him. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to 
like I, 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 I like, but he grew up because I grew up, and so we both like, I was like, <laughs> we both grew up. So I think, and then 2013, I was like, okay, this guy, you know, I'm gonna follow his indie, his little indie career and stuff that he's been doing. But yeah, like I think when I first was introduced to him was Prince Caspian, and then he became King Caspian. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he did. You know, the funny thing is that the Chronicles of Narnia Prince Caspian came out like right around the time I was doing my finals and finishing my master's degree in grad school, my like right in the, that like two week period. And so I'd spent the past, and also I was coming off a very bad breakup. <laughs> so I want a little, we'll just say that he came at a very opportune time in my life <laughs> where I just needed the healing, the healing wonder of just like pure hotness on a screen and like a fun movie. So he was healing. He was therapeutic for me. We'll put it that way. I love that for you. No, the perfect tall British boyfriend just comes along on the screen, right? When you need him most, you know? I mean, like both of you, I was I was introduced to him with Prince Caspian and that came out, which I loved the first Chronicles of Narnia movie, but when this movie came along, it not only introduced me to Ben Barnes and just his flowing hair and a knight in shining armor, literally. It also introduced me to Regina Spector, who is like one of my favorite, still is one of my favorite singers, but introduced me to the song The Call, which was like all I listened to in high school. So that movie will always like hold such a significant place in my heart. But Ben Barnes, man, he was... him and William Mosley who plays Peter they were right at the age I was like oh y'all are really hot and can I date you please Um, (laughs) and then like he kind of fell off the radar for me for a little bit until right before as like the Marvel Netflix series was like the universe was starting to expand and then uh, I think he has already been cast in like Westworld. I hadn't watched it, but like he was going to be in the Punisher. I'm like, wait, hold on. Ben Barnes is still around. What's happening? So like <laughs> I missed a period of time, but that brought me back into, I guess, his world that we're just all living in apparently. Yeah. he He's really blown up too. I feel like, you know, even though he was huge in the Punisher, he was huge in Westworld. He's this beautiful man. I feel like I think everyone kind of knew like, oh yeah, he's beautiful, he's beautiful. But I feel like Shadow and Bone just exploded his known, well-known, because Westworld is, oh, it's an HBO like show. It's it's a little darker. And then, you know, Punisher is super dark, you know, with killing, um, same as Westworld. But then with Shadow and Bone, the young adult audiences get to, get to have this chance to like, to look at, to look upon him yeah. uh, and, 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 and enjoy his presence. So I feel like he's had a long, a good steady career. I read his profile that, they, that um, Variety did on him. And it's interesting just to know he, he was, he was, he's been there, but now it's like, yes, he's choosing these roles that, you know, is just blowing him up. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I feel like when he first came on the scene and, you know, stars in Chronicles of Narnia that he kind of got locked into that. And Hollywood was like, oh, he's the next Hollywood it boy. He's going to be the next leading 
actor and they tried to cast him in all these like fantasy hero roles like there was seventh son and there was and like mm-hmm. even the the last chronicles and yeah. Arnie movie and a few other things and dorian, dorian gray dorian gray yeah. which i as a lit major i loved i recognize it wasn't a good movie but he was just i thought he was good in it and i liked his chemistry with colin firth but he never quite blew up the way that I think everybody thought he was going to and kept trying to make him do. And it wasn't fully his fault. Like I could see like why on the paper he would have agreed to do a lot of these films and they just did not, the finished product just wasn't what it could have been. Then he kind of went away and did some indies and it found like he came back and really found his stride playing villains on TV. It's almost like Tom Hiddleston where Hiddleston kind of had the same trajectory and then he really broke out playing Loki. It's, you know, I read, maybe it was Variety or Vanity Fair, but there was the profile where he talked about recently, where he talked about basically, he he struggled for a little bit after, you know, he kind of was told like, you're going to be Hollywood's next big thing. You're in this giant Disney blockbuster and, and the title character. And then nothing really panned out. And his movies kind of underperformed. He realized that he had to modify his idea of what success was and what happiness is. And so now for him, like he's not really aiming for that to be like an A-lister or the next, you know, Hollywood it kid anymore. He's basically just like, as long as I'm doing work where I really enjoy the roles and I actually enjoy what I'm doing, like that's my happiness. That's my version of success. And I thought that was really interesting because it seemed like once he, and maybe his managers, you know, his agency kind of let go of the idea of him being this giant star, that's when he actually became a lot more successful and a lot more acclaimed in the roles he's he's getting. I would still love to see him do like a more, you know, heroic, like good guy role. Cause I think he's, he's really good in those roles too, but he's really straddled that like Hiddlestonian line of the sympathetic villain. And it kind of has all come in full circle with shadow and bone. Yeah. I feel like he was like, you know what? I play the prince. I paid, I played the good guy. Like, it's not Hollywood doesn't want that. F you guys, I'm going to play villains for the rest of my life. Or the the guy who, you know, you just don't know. Because like with Gold Digger, you know, you just didn't know if he was like a good guy or, or if his intentions were, you know, were good or not. He's just so good at being the mysterious, good looking guy who, I, I think I've said this many times, who you would have a great night with, but you wake up in the bathtub with your kidney missing. Like, <laughs> and but you know what and it's worth it <laughs> but he'd be like but he'd be like but i just needed to do it to save you know for and then he'd give you some explanation but like logical part of your brain's going this is yeah no but then you're looking and going yeah okay that seems reasonable yeah like do you okay. want the other one sure yeah. <laughs> it's like let me give this to you he definitely is very good at selling that villain to be like he understands where they're coming from and he gets you sold on where they're coming from too even in shadow and bone I found myself being like "Ooh, that was a really great point but also you're shady I do not trust you and so then when the reveal came that like yeah he was the one who created the fold I'm like of course he was of course he was the villain (laughs) It was no surprise to me, but he does it so well and with just a way, like a sincerity about him too, that you just want to be like, oh, sweet summer child, like, let me take care of you. But also like, I don't think I could trust you either, you know? Having loved the books, I knew that term was coming and I was like, ooh, 
cannot wait until a few because I saw some people tweeting about him. I'm like, like, mm-hmm. oh, that's okay. Well, let me know how it goes when you get to episode five, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Uh, when he says, fine, yeah. make me your villain. I was just like, oh yeah you know I will say too though I think part of it is that he's really kind of coming into his own he's just becoming a better actor too mm-hmm. I mean you see that a lot with a lot of actors that are younger in their careers and I've done that you know a number of times where you see an actor who is they're, they're pretty well respected now and they're generally considered to be really good you know what they do mm-hmm. if you go back and look at kind of some of their earlier stuff it's a world of difference between how good they are. And, and he was always pretty solid, but his first, you know, I think any actor, almost any actor, their first few projects, they're a little shaky. They're not quite as good. Mm-hmm. Like even in Chronicles of Narnia, as much as I loved him, like the accent was, Ooh, that was a struggle. And then yeah. he got rid of it in the other yeah. movie. So it was like, it was quite the the move. It was the, it was the Wanda Maximoff. Um, oh, totally. And like, does she have an accent <laughs> or not? But like now when he does like the, the Billy Russo, like kind of Brooklyn accent he did and the Punisher, like he can nail, he nails, you know, a a really great American accent now too. And I think he's done, I think he's done Southern too. So he's just, I think he's just in general, he's more confident. He's coming to his own as an actor and he's just, he's just better, you know, when he's on screen now. I think that's what makes it like why he did all those indie films and those smaller parts, Mm -hmm. because because yeah because like when you know he had he had a lull after you know after Prince Caspian and everyone like did expect him and you know Dorian Gray that's when he read the reviews and he he was mm-hmm. like yeah he almost quit Hollywood because of that and now he knows not to read reviews which I, I I recommend every actor and even if it's good like just don't read the reviews but he but he really honed in on his craft really worked on like do, doing he did some romantic things he did some indie stuff and so I, I watched all of it because I was like you know what if I'm yeah. gonna study Ben Barnes I'm gonna study Ben Barnes mm-hmm. and like he he killing he, Bono even too oh which my is god like a dark comedy. Yeah. yeah he did oh yeah I, I was just like he's putting in the work and mm-hmm. now I'm glad that he's getting recognized not only for his beauty but also for his his art you know he yeah. he he gets it like he understood he, he studied he studied Shadow and Bone intensively I think everyone when they asked the cast like who knows the role like the book inside and out like it, mm-hmm. it was Ben Ben I think Ben is he's the oldest of all of them too so I think he has yeah. the most experience of mm-hmm. what can happen when you make it this big yeah because everyone's like babies and so he's like yeah. he's, he's the the one who sent the meme like hello fellow kids which um, is the most endearing thing I ever read <laughs> during like all the press for Shadow and Bone is like, oh, hon, like yeah. that's amazing. And he wants to fit in, which I'm like, oh, hon, you're always going to fit in. Let's hang out. You know, I interviewed Merzi Almas, who is one of the directors for Shadow and Bone. She did uh, episodes five and six, which when we she and I were talking, I said, you know, episode five is arguably the most important episode because mm-hmm. there's so many revelations and so many things that hit like that's when you find out that he's really behind it all that's when Alina leaves the little palace that's mm-hmm. when the winter fet happens that's when Marie gets killed it's when all sorts of things happen and if that you know and I asked her I said if that episode kind of doesn't hold together the rest of it doesn't work and I asked about that I said well, you know Ben is like your cast is most of them are, fairly inexperienced like some did not have much 
they don't have many credits on their IMDb resume at all. And the ones that do nothing on this level, like nothing, you know, that's uh, this scope and scale. And, and I asked her what it was like having somebody that's a veteran like him. I was like, is that good? Is that bad? Like, mm-hmm. and she told me, she was like, you know, he's so conscientious. He's so professional. Like he comes prepared. He comes with the script. He shows up on time. Like his work ethic is insane. And he's also really calming and he's very warm and compassionate. And he's always like willing to help, you know, his help the younger actors. And she said, just having somebody like that on set, that's so just kind of professional and there and present, but also doesn't have an ego. She's like, that sets the tone from the top down. She's like, because he's she's like, he's called the lead actor for a reason. And that doesn't, She's like, and it doesn't just end with the young cast for whoever he's, whoever he's acting opposite. She's like, that also filters down to the crew as well. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was really interesting how, because I'd never really thought of it that way before, because you think of it like, oh yeah, the lead actor like sets the tone for like the actors and stuff, but you don't really realize, or you don't really think, I guess, about how the lead actor isn't just lead in terms of how much screen time they have or being the protagonist. They're the lead on set they set the tone. And so I imagine like, oh yeah, I guess if you had like a nightmare of an actor in the lead, like that really creates a certain atmosphere, but she said he was great and he was super professional. And he really, you know, kind of like you said, Laura, like he just came, like he knew the books and she said he was just so prepared, but always willing to learn, which I almost have to wonder if, because he's always been a really nice person from all accounts I've ever heard of him, but you have to wonder too, if that kind of the rougher patch he went through earlier in his career where he kind of had to learn to like adjust his expectations and find a different sort of happiness. If that carried over then into, if that actually made him better in a lot of ways, because he really does not have that ego and he's always open to learning and getting better in ways that I think some maybe bigger A-list actors or ones that have been on TV for ages, they might not think they have to keep learning or keep, you know, getting better. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's unique. Hearing all of that, it just makes me respect him so much more and his craft that he is able to, that he is setting the tone in the way that he has brought this professionalism to the set and like that he is so warm, compassionate, willing to work with these other actors to help them hone their craft even better to like pull these performances that really did make season one of Shadow and Bone so good and compelling and I mean I would have to believe that going through a rougher patch like that would be such a unique teachable experience for him that he would be able to carry that with his roles moving forward and even what you were mentioning earlier Alicia about when his expectations changed that's when he found the most success and like he found success in enjoying the roles that he's playing. And I think that carries over into his performances and why he has gotten so much better role after role. And it's, I like supporting people who care about what they do and that can learn and grow and continue to get better. And it's fun to support people when they are enjoying what they're doing and they're that good, you know, and he happens to look that attractive too. So it all comes together. Yeah. I've actually interviewed him a few times and met him outside of work as a fan. And he's been so great 
every single time. And internally, I'm screaming, but you of know, course. I'm, keep, I'm keeping profesh because professionals I tried to but I um but it's he's gracious because like you know I met him in the professional sense and then I've met him outside where you know I you know it was just like as a fan and I was just like telling talk to him about as as a fan and he was just patient and nice like you know how there's some I think we've all interacted like I I know you with the studio whenever people come into the studio and stuff like that and I know Alicia you interviewed a whole bunch of people before but you know there's always a rush feeling whenever you know because they have to get somewhere they have to go point a point b this and that this and that but he he actually took the time and i like i I don't think he remembered uh, me interviewing him and when i met him as a fan because you know he's met so many people but he actually took the time just to chat with me and you know i I was telling him like man my friend's gonna be so jealous and you know i really wish that you know I, i could you know have have a video for them or something and i didn't want to ask him for that but he was just mm-hmm. like then do a video so mm-hmm. he did a video for my friends as a oh. fan and i thought that was really sweet of him to to even like do that when i know his time is important you know yeah. mm-hmm. and so yeah so i think that made me even a bigger fan and like mm-hmm. i openly thirst just because like one he is beautiful but it's like it's one of those things where it's like you've gained the, uh, a long time fan for me and not just because you're talented and I like your work, but you're just it's just it's nice to know that it's like fan, the fans get to have someone to cheer, mm-hmm. cheer for. Yeah. yeah, it's a really rare quality, I think, in not just actors, but just people in general to when you're talking to somebody, even if it's somebody you don't really know, if somebody you just met on the street to make to be present and to make them feel like you have all the time in the world, even when you don't for them. And you're right. Like Laura, like I've definitely been in interviews before where it feels like the, you know, the actor or whatever is they're really tired. It's the end of the press day junket. They've been doing, they've done a hundred interviews, you know, and back after, you know, back to back to back. You can tell they're just tired of mailing it in, or you can tell that they're kind of almost like internally looking at their watch and, and I don't blame them for it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have ADHD. It's very hard for me to not get distracted, to not get, you know, worn out with things. It's really hard for me not to interrupt or talk over people. Like that's always something I struggle with. So I really appreciate the people like Ben Barnes who, you know, you know, their time is pressing, you know, they don't have a lot of it, but they can still make you feel like, no, 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 no. None of that matters. What matters right now is this conversation I'm having with you. I would say Tom Hiddleston has that capacity as well I've interviewed him a number of times like two or three times and I've met him like outside of interviewing him like at comic-con we ran into each other again and he remembered me and our the thing we did in Berlin before and and he's another one of those people that has that very rare ability to be like just very present and that's something that I always appreciate in people, not even just in actors, but just people in general. And I think it's even harder with actors because people are like, oh, well, they're just acting nice. They're just acting nice. Like they can do that because they're actors. I'm like, yeah, but the thing about actors is like during a junket, actors can be the biggest a-holes that they want. And trust me, I've run into actors that are absolute a-holes. Like mm-hmm. they don't care. Yeah. They know they're not going to get in trouble. So it's actually kind of the opposite that they can, but they don't have to. So if they do, that makes me really respect them more. It's always the villainous characters that are actually the nicest people. Mm-hmm. That I've, I've actually met like that. But Ben, yeah, he like, I think I think that sealed it for me because, you know, I, f- I feel like whenever, you know, like Alicia, I think, you know, like whenever 
actors, you, we interview them. It's like they have to put their best foot forward too because we are covering it. And then they they want good press. But when I see or hear fan interactions just as a fan, I'm just really, I'm more excited about that because those are the people who have this ideal in their head of like how it should be and like how they want it to be. And like BTS, it's like, oh, they love their fans. And I love, I love that. I think, and like, just looking at his Instagram, he appreciates his fans. And I could tell that. And that just makes everything better. Like what, just regarding being the huge fans of him. I yeah. think it's that idea of gratitude and always remembering that not that he doesn't work hard and not, you know, not that actors like that don't work hard because I mean, again, it's acting is actually, I would say one of the most exhausting jobs there is. I mean, it's long, insane hours. You're never fully settled. Like you can be on a set for, it's not like a nine hour day, you know, like a lot of us work, they're on set for 12, you know, 14, 16 hour days. They're going here, there and everywhere. Like and they uproot their lives. Like, so yeah, often. They have to uproot their lives. But I think it's that idea of like he's and and again, I've seen this in a few other actors I've interviewed and stuff and that I've you know watched over the years. I think it's always centered in gratitude and that idea that this could go away at any moment. Mm -hmm. I am very lucky now, but I know what it's like to not be lucky <laughs> and to like, be having things bomb and doors shut on my face. So I'm never going to. And if it weren't for these fans that supported me, even through like the dry spells, I would not be here. So I always tend to think that those actors and actresses tend to last a little longer than others, just because it's always, people are always more willing to give somebody like that a chance than somebody that's, who was that young actor? He was, he was an I am number four. He was the British one, blonde. Uh, Alex, Alex, Alex Pettifer, that's it. Who like did one movie and then was like showing up the bargaining table. Like I demand 2 million more dollars. And the studios were like, who are you? And then he just was a jerk on set and just, and he basically worked his way out of, out of Hollywood. It's like, good job, dude. You were poised to be the next big thing and you, nobody will work with you because you're so awful. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know cool. where I was going with that, but yeah. basically, no, but I, are. Just, no, but I think yes. that's important. Ben amazing. <laughs> ben Bonds is amazing. And no, I think that's important because, you know, as fans, actors don't owe us anything they don't need to give us the time of day but honestly like when you find out that the person that you admire and enjoy their work you find out that they're actually a decent person too and actually enjoy what they do and interacting with people it makes it easier to root for them it makes it easier to like support whatever they do and it's fun to see them succeed because so often like there are so many there are big personalities in Hollywood, different actors and actresses, once they've made it to a certain amount of fame, like they can phone it in. And especially at junkets or interviews, you know, they're selling a movie, but they can do whatever they want. They deal with a lot, but when they're able to give that back to the fans and know how important that like fan interaction is and how that A, fuels your career, honestly, but B, seeing like how your work impacts other people, I would hope that like fuels what you do. And so I think Ben is one of those people. And it's so reassuring to hear that for Tom Hiddleston as well, especially with Loki right around the corner and him getting more of a spotlight that he deserves because, you know, he has been 
Marvel's like champion for so long, you know, and as Marvel's bad boy or whatever, and getting him his due as well, and not just that role, because he's also a genuinely like great person too. So I love seeing these great British guys like do well, I guess. <laughs> and also run into actors who are just jerks. Like they just don't like doing press and they're jerks. Toby Maguire. Yeah. He was did not have any experience <laughs> with him, which was sad because I'm the biggest Spider-Man fan of the world. And I literally I've written before about how Spider-Man literally saved my life because I was in like the worst depression, like for the first time. And I didn't know what it was. I was like just getting ready to graduate college. And that movie like pulled me out of my spiral. And and I interviewed him a couple years ago for Pawn Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. with the audience that we had at the time for my old outlet movie pilot was like nobody's gonna care about a chess movie I was like I don't want to ask him a question about Spider-Man but I have to and and he was just such a jerk and I could tell he didn't want to be there and I mean by that time I was like you know I'm an adult I'm all over it I'm not like oh my god my hero my idol I was like whatever he's an actor like fine like he, I just don't want to interview him again because I don't get attached in that way to actors and stuff but he it's like man this built your career really like and I know you don't want to do press I know you don't like doing press but this is part of the job Mm -hmm. so at least like try not to make the person doing their job feel actively worse about things and so I'm always grateful for yeah for people like Ben Barnes who are so kind and so gracious in interviews and no matter how many times he's answered the same question he'll answer it again and it's always yeah. thoughtful mm-hmm. or somebody like Daniel Radcliffe or Mark Hamill who it doesn't matter how many times Daniel Radcliffe has asked about Harry Potter he's like mm-hmm. I love being asked about Harry Potter I'm so glad I made this impact or mm-hmm. Mark Hamill who will always always talk about Star Wars and I just feel like that's the difference between actors who are merely appreciated for the work and those who are really beloved mm-hmm. both for the work they put out there and also for just who they are and how they interact in the world yeah well even recently i think everyone saw the viral clip of ben barnes in a boy band um, yes for Which, the yeah Eurovision. it's like so many people don't know he got started that way and i'm like yeah. oh yeah he was a whole boy band like yeah whole, like, that was brand new information and- to me i i learned that this year that that was a thing and that's like <laughs> amazing sorry yeah, Laura, continue but, no but it's it's amazing like someone uh, one of the video people like interviewed him and you know he was on camera and you could tell he was filled with regret like in his voice and in his eyes when he was talking about it but still even if he didn't like it felt he felt annoyed he was still so gracious and and kind in that interview because like you know if you get asked like something that you were like kind of ashamed of even though I, I don't see why he should be because he looked and he sounds beautiful but you know you know if you were in a boy band from years ago I think he felt that and so but throughout the the interview you could see like he was just like yeah I was 19 and uh, and all this stuff and like I quit after a few days because you know I, I know the dance moves and you could just see he's just like yeah but but still even it, when he was asked that he was just still he answered it and he was just like, yeah, but you know, that was a long time ago, you know, and he's still gracious. I don't know if it's a British thing because British people like rude things, even though I've interviewed a rude British person before, but um, he, he was still gracious in that interview. And I, was, I, I watched that one just because like, I just, I could just feel the regret uh, in his voice. And I mm-hmm. just, but it, it still was pleasant to watch. It wasn't yeah. one of those was like, oh, he's like really annoyed. Oh, like, he, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is so sad. 
but it was it wasn't it didn't feel like that it was just like he was like yeah that was a memory but you know like let's move on like kind of fun in the fun way actually that kind of reminds me of the cast of shadow and bone did you know cast like questions with each other of like what's jesse's like favorite music or whatever and what is Ben Barnes's favorite movie and everybody in the cast did a movie star that Ben Barnes he was, was in, in. Mm-hmm. and he <laughs> took it like a champ you know and that was one of the last questions too so it was like fun to end it on but you could see his face of just being like oh guys but also like still kind of like loving and appreciating that as well so <laughs> he doesn't at least to me, when he like looks back at his older projects, it doesn't seem like there may be some regret there, but there's not like, you know, disdain or like, oh, don't even remind me of that thing. Or, oh, you're still a fan of Prince Caspian? Get out of here. You know, like he Mm -hmm. seems to really still hold on to it and care like, oh, you still enjoyed this or, oh, you're making fun of this right now. That's okay. You know, he takes it like a champ. Yeah, yeah, all his roles. I think I think he understands. Even if you were to tell him about talk about Dorian Gray, I think he is kind of regretful about that. But I that think one he still- is. Yeah, yeah, he said, I don't think I quite nailed the character. I'm like, agreed, but also look at you. I'm like, yeah. yeah. That's when he studied but- the book. I can say you definitely didn't nail the character, but I didn't really care about that. Like, yeah, like, it's I'm, fine. I mean, you got to act the Colin first, so that's a big deal, too. So that's yeah. good. Like, yeah. That's something you get to have. Like, that's the only reason he did Seven Son. You can't turn down working with Jeff Bridges and totally like if I, someone said hey do you want to work with jeff bridges i'll be mm-hmm. like you know what yeah <laughs> although i remember watching that movie and screening it and that was one of the that was the one movie that just like ran out of budget and then like oh yeah it got sued by the vfx how it was just it was one of those projects that just got through like no fault of his or the cast or crew or anything it was literally just a disaster of a production and I remember screening it and I remember distinctly because he's supposed to, his character was annoyed with Jeff Bridges character and God bless mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges, but he super mailed that role in like 110%. You could tell he was like here to get a paycheck. Yeah. Don't even care. And there was, it was the scene where they're standing on the cliff side and he's arguing, his character is arguing with Jeff Bridges. And I remember at that moment, I distinctly remember sitting in the theater and the, the spot I was sitting on the theater thinking, I don't actually know at this moment if that is Ben Barnes's character being annoyed with Jeff Bridges' character, or if it's just Ben Barnes being annoyed with Jeff Bridges and that's coming through. And I really don't know. And honestly, it could go either way and I'd get it. <laughs> and I think that was the movie that I was like, you know, I really, really wish this guy, I can see why he picks these projects, like I was saying before, but I just, it just feels like there's so many projects that on paper he's picked that have seemed amazing. And then Mm -hmm. through like no real fault of his own, the final project has just been less than what it could have been. We'll put it that way. Yeah. But Seventh Son was just one of those movies where I was like, oh, I just feel bad. I feel bad for everybody involved with this because you know, you know yeah, it was such a nightmare. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's like, better. yeah. It, you deserve ran, better. It, yeah. And I think that's that's what traumatized him for doing fantasy. And I think that's why he's kind of traumatized mm-hmm. doing Shadow and Bone. But, you know, everyone wanted him as a Darkling. Dark, mm-hmm. uh, Darkling. Even, even, even Lee Bardugo was like, 
2013 had a picture of him as the fan cast for the mm-hmm. dark thing and so i'm like this is perfect he has to say yes he has to say yes and when they, they announced he got it I, I like i didn't read the books yet because i was like i don't want it to tarnish me watching it and no, i read i read I'm, I'm yeah. it after now like mm-hmm. uh, i read the the i haven't done the six of crows but like i'm doing uh, i'm doing the duology right now i just started yeah. six of crows so yeah I, I didn't want it to ruin i'm so excited for your journeys <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm so excited too, but I'm, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't read the books first because I love Mal in the, in the show. And like, Same. The books don't make you love him, and so that's why I'm like, oh, okay, good thing I watched it beforehand because I love, I love Mal. He's Endgame, but yeah, when watching him like as the Darkling, I was, and then reading it, reading it, I'm just like, this guy is perfect for it. For it, he, mm-hmm. he's, he's dark. He's brooding, like. He listens, and he, you're just so he's you're just so attracted to him, and Ben Barnes is just oozing out like sexual yeah. aggress- aggression throughout the whole thing. Where just like, like, and I know he like exactly like he's just like you were saying that he, like like you're both saying that you're glad that he's moved like past beyond being valued just for his beauty. Not that he's not beautiful, he is, mm-hmm. but it's almost like. But there are a few actors that are so beautiful that it's almost like distracting when they're on screen. Like there's been times when Angelina Jolie, I've been watching her and I'm like, she's like distractingly gorgeous on screen or, mm-hmm. you know, but the best actors learn how to weaponize that and they learn how to like, be yes. like, okay, you know what, if you're going to, if you're going to label me this way, then I'm going to use this when I'm on the screen. I feel like young Brad Pitt was like that. Like young Brad, For like sure. Legend of the Fall, oh, knew. like young Brad Pitt was beautiful like beyond beautiful and then he was like okay I'm getting boxed into this role where I'm just beautiful and I don't want to do that so mess me up and that's when he did not seven but he did um 13 oh, monkeys God. or 12 monkeys yes. or whatever. 12 yeah, monkeys yeah. 12 and then he did seven and so he learned how to like channel that beauty and, and weaponize it I feel like Ben is finally getting that point where he doesn't feel he has to rely on his face anymore and Hollywood doesn't feel it has to rely on his face it's like yeah we'll scar you up we'll give you you know shadow fold stuff because it now trusts he's a good enough actor that he doesn't have to rely on that anymore and it feels like he's just like finally truly coming into his own like really maturing where he can like you he's still stunningly beautiful but also you're like, but now I'm not always so distracted by you that I can't appreciate what you're doing on screen too, like just as an actor. I, I think he knows how to command his beauty. Like yeah. he knows how to drive it. And because, you know, the Darkling with Billy Russo, bless his heart. He he really tried to <laughs> oh, like bless, make him. Bless, bless his, his heart. heart. He, his he heart. tried to make it where he goes, look, you made me ugly. This is what I am now. And I'm just like, okay. Okay, still like perfect bone structure. You still, like, look, you still amazing. look great. Like I, you know, you still look amazing. Like the scar, like I, I feel like I feel like Marvel. What they did, the makeup, uh, makeup department was like they were like, hey, make him like ugly. They're like, okay, we're gonna put all these scars and all this stuff. And then the executive saw him and goes, "You did nothing. Like he still is beautiful. Let's put a mm-hmm. mask on him." So I think that's that's the only way. And like I think that the mask helped with his. With, with his acting because like to show that you know I'm hideous but when you know mm-hmm. but he's really not but I feel like with Shadow and Bone in the end he, he gets scarred and everything but I feel like he knew his role as the Darkling is this is a stunning person but he knew that how to kind of like trick you 
with that yes. beauty. He's magnetic. I, yeah. yeah. Like it's he knows front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. even though, you know, we're supposed to sympathize with him with what he's gone through. I feel like he, Ben is able to make it manipulate, like his, his looks be so manipulative. And so like the energy is so strong and that yes, he's intoxicating, but it's also like menacing and like, and then, mm-hmm. and then, and that's the role. And that's how I felt with, with Logan for Westworld. Like he is just like this party boy, you know, with, a, with like, and the sadness of like, you know, his journey and mm-hmm. stuff. But I feel like with this, with this role, like he, he just knew how to control. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm beautiful, but I'm going to use this beauty to manipulate you and, mm-hmm. and drive and like make you feel safe and make you feel essentially horny, but essentially like, <laughs> essentially, yeah, it's, it's just aggressive. But then it, there's a point to it where he's like, now I'm going to trick you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's the male version of like a femme fatale. Yeah, yes. definitely feel like, like that. Home fatale? I don't even know what that would be. Like, I don't even think there's a word for it because, no. because it's so rare that men do that. Um, yeah. And it is, and it's very rare the actor that learns how to, basically has learned how to weaponize his sexuality um, in a way yes. that pretty much every even remotely good-looking female actress has learned how to do. It's almost like, it's not really the same comparison, but it's like how in DC Comics, Nightwing, like Nightwing is always objectified for his butt now and they just roll with it. And they're like, yeah, he's super hot. We're going to lean into it in the comics. And like, he gets it and he's still an amazing superhero, but also he knows he's hot and he works with it. And I feel like that's what like Ben Barnes is like, yeah, I can't really, I can't really choose the face I was born with. Like, I get it. I know. Like I'm, everybody tells me I'm good looking, but Mm -hmm. you know, instead of kind of like lamenting that that's the only thing he's seen for now or valued for now it like you said Laura like it feels like he's really learned how to use it as just another tool in his like obviously an actor's face is their greatest tool but in general but it feels like he's learned how to use his beauty as an extension of that tool yeah and it just becomes another thing he can use now where he's like I don't resent it anymore or I don't you know obsess over it or anymore I just use it now when I'm on the screen and you're right and it makes him it makes the darkling a character that it's like a beautiful snake that's you know you want to touch because it's beautiful colors but it's you know venomous or you know a beautiful butterfly that's toxic yeah it's, that, it's nature's camouflage a pretty face is nature's camouflage yeah and like the thing is too you don't know if he's sincere or not regarding mm-hmm. it because his chemistry with jesse like in, as, in yeah. the char- as the character incredible yeah. it was so intense it was so intense like i just felt their chemistry versus Mal and, and like uh, Archie and Jesse theirs was more natural and cute like where you're mm-hmm. like get married have kids yeah. be happy but this one is like oh my god like just like like you just feel the intense intensity and passion between the two and like you want her to trust him like you want all this stuff for her like oh my god just like it's passionate and, and like far you does trust him if you haven't read the books then you trust him kind of like you know this guy he's he's actually trying to help his people all this stuff but you know, it's 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 somewhat also menacing where it's like, oh, when you find out the truth, it's you still want good in him, you know? You want but, the redemption arc. Yeah. Like like Kylo Ren, like when he kills mm-hmm. his dad, you're like, but I still hope. Yeah. Or like Loki, you're like, okay, you tried to wipe on New York City, but I still hope. Like yeah. <laughs> I think that's why. I think those guys are the darkling Kerrigan is part of that group now for me, mm-hmm. like being part of like with Kylo and being with, with like with um, Loki 
it's one of those where it's like you, you're cheering them on. You know that they're bad, but you're cheering them on because even though like there's something menacing about them, there's still something inside them because you learn their history that you are hopeful for. It's the vulnerability. Yeah. They all have, a, they all allow themselves because they're all insanely powerful men, you know, yeah. like these characters. And I think that's always like, I hate to say it, but I think that's always catnip for straight or bi girls, you know, or, or boys, whoever, you know. I think that's always catnip is a very, very powerful man who allows himself to show a little bit of vulnerability mm-hmm. because it, and then makes it intimate because then it makes you, he's really good at doing that, at showing that little bit of vulnerability. And even though he's showing it to like, you know, Alina on screen and Jesse, not really to you, he makes it feel like it's you. He's showing that little bit of vulnerability too. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. I felt it when I was just like, uh, like it just through the screen, I'm just like, oh my God. I would risk yeah, it all for you. Wizard hell bent on taking over the world, but you know what? I will However, be like, I'm Zoya. I'll be like, yeah, just pick me. I'll take care of everything. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so interesting that these characters that you've brought up, they're all very powerful characters, but they're also insanely lonely, you know, mm-hmm. and they let their guard down just for a little bit, just for a moment to one select person, which in Kirigan's case and even Kylo Ren's case it's been like a woman and so like if you're attracted to him you feel like you are sitting in that seat and you're like oh I understand I trust you even though mm, you believe what you're doing for a noble cause you know or in Kirigan's case you know because like Grisha are being killed at that time. They are being used for wars and not necessarily like protected by even the own country that they're in, but he's trying to protect them. And yet he's still gaining power for himself and viewing that as, well, this is how I'm going to create order and balance. You're like, "Mm, I see you, I get you, but you also just turned all these people okay, into Thanos. these like, bulls. yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah. Thanos. yeah. He does a really good job. And, and, and a lot of this goes to, you know, of course, like Eric Kaiserer and, and the writing team um, and, and Lee Bardugo, because they really did upgrade quite a bit from the books, especially characters. She said before that these were the first books she wrote. She'd probably go back and do a few things differently. There was some problematic stuff in it, some tropes and Mal is a jerk in the books. Like I do not like Mal in the books, Eric told me he was very excited he was like we're gonna make people like Mal because we were we were dming because when I mm-hmm. when the trailer first came out I dm'd him just to congratulate him like it looks amazing I love you know and you know I love the books like I'm super pumped and he was like we're gonna make people like Mal so <laughs> you know it's interesting because most people talk about how Mal is definitely an upgrade from the books even Alina oh. too because she has a mm-hmm. lot more agency in the show she's not quite as like Weak obsessed was, yeah. with Mal like my whole life I can't decide things unless you know Mal's here and she's definitely more the aggressor with the darkling yeah. in the well, show yeah. which is really good they made her so weak in the yeah. in the beginning where she goes oh I can't do anything I'm so yeah. tired like as she had yeah. self-confident uh, like the self mm-hmm. like she doesn't have that much confidence they really upgraded her a lot this and with the oh my god the consent scene yeah. though when he oh, I even yeah. though I'm not one to be like, for me, I'm like, consent should be natural. It's, it's yeah. not, it's, but, but it's always nice to be reminded. And yeah. so when that scene mm-hmm. happened, I was just yeah. like, oh, I need a break. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like on top of all of that, I think what, what's not being talked about as much is he's also upgraded the character of the Darkling from the books. Because in the books, the Darkling is much more of a jerk. And I don't know how far you guys are in the books, but this isn't really spoiling anything. But, but later in the books, their dynamic isn't... He's lonely, but it's almost like he's almost resentful of the bond they have where he's, mm. well, I'm stuck with you, you know, because we're, we're going to be like, I need you because you're the only one that understands me because the only other immortal, you know, like me and the other, only other summoner like me, but like you're a real pain in my ass right now. And like, I don't really, I'm not happy with you either, but like we're bound together. So eventually you will succumb to me. So he's just a lot more almost like resentful in the books and a lot more of a jerk where I think in the show, and not everything, not, and he doesn't really like explain a lot of his backstory. Like the shadow fold, he literally just wants power in the books. He wants power for power's sake because the Risha are being persecuted, but he was already like messing with Merzost and like corrupt magic before he created the fold. Whereas in the show, he's just, Ben does such a good job of tapping into the sympathetic, you know, aspects of him and his nature and the very, he's not a good man. He's not a good person. Mm-hmm. You can't condone what he's doing. He's manipulative. He's, you know, whatever. But, you know, he, but you can understand why in his head he thinks he's doing it. You can understand his like twisted logic, you know, over the years. And it makes for a much more, I think, interesting villain when it's a lot more complex than when it's just kind of the mustache twirling, like I'm just power for power's sake. And it's like, you're still a villain. Like you're still a bad guy. Like, I get you. I don't condone it, but I understand you. So, and he does such a good job of finding that balance between sympathetic villain, but then also still like never letting you forget he is the villain. Like Mm -hmm. he's not a good guy. It's truly, yeah, it's a testament to his ability to, uh, as you both so eloquently put it, you know, like he has learned to tap into his own beauty and use that as an extension of his acting caliber and not just in that too, but like understanding the role, doing so much research, like reading all the books, understanding exactly where this character is coming from and being able to portray that in such a seductive way on screen. You know, you just couldn't have, like every time he was on screen, it was very hard to look away from whatever he was doing, whether it's explaining some exposition, whether he's even just looking at Alina to him putting antlers into her collarbone, which freaked me out when I watched that scene. Honestly, I was like, it was a lot more body horror than it is in the books. I was, yeah, I was not expecting that. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. When I read the book, I was like, it's a necklace. What the heck did they do to her? Yeah. (laughs) He's just, He's just, I, I, and the whole cast too. I mean, the whole cast was like, oh, the whole cast is amazing. Yes. Shockingly well cast. Like there was not one, I mean, there's a lot of times there's like shows like big ensemble genre shows like this. Like you like most of the cast, but there's maybe like one or two characters where you're like, eh, they're okay. They're not like, I don't hate this casting, but I don't love it either. Like it's just not really connecting with me. There was not one casting among the main cast and even like the supporting cast that wasn't absolutely nailed it's a lot like marvel in that way where the only real miscast that i can ever think of in the mcu is forgive him but finn jones is danny rand and that wasn't even fully his fault like that poor boy 
that poor boy was like i don't do martial arts i'm like cool here's 10 minutes to learn how to do like how to be iron fist from the greatest martial arts in marvel (laughs) go yeah um but marvel like that's their strength is they're such good casters and i feel like that's the strength of this show too so i'm really excited to see what they who they cast for wylan if assuming we get a season two which i think we would and yeah, um, and nikolai especially for nikolai, nikolai yeah. yeah everyone or, or storm you know <laughs> yeah. but yeah definitely ben barnes understood the role like he he, yeah. he, he understood yeah the like, role even at the comedic moments when like david was trying to raise his hand goes david you don't have to raise your hand oh, luke pascal uh, you know yeah, yeah. Luke, like he like even at that part he still like was like you don't need you know what go ahead he still was great he still was seductive but yeah. also like dad yeah like, <laughs> like it just like yes david you like yeah. yeah yeah it was such a great scene of like levity too of you know you know he's trying to find alina he already had his showdown with kaz which one of my favorite scenes in the season to have that moment of just like awkward raising of the hand you don't go go ahead David it was it was it was nice to have that little the little moment there fun fact David is played by Luke Pasqualino who he was in a BBC series uh he was D'Artagnan in the Three Musketeers uh for the BBC series and it that's a it was a really fun show yeah but my friend Fiona, who some of you might follow on Twitter, Fiona Underhill, she is convinced he's like the more Italian version or Italian like background version of Ben Barnes because he had the same hair, he had the Prince Caspian hair sort of in uh, Three Musketeers. And so when they ended up being in Shadow and Bone together, I'm like, oh, this is so weird. But that's I must go back and watch BBC Three Musketeers so I it's can. Show. Yeah, I only watched the first two seasons because like the thing is no one ever dies. And I'm like, yeah. where's the risk? Where is the risk? Yeah. It was, it's one of those shows where I'm like, it's a fun romp. Like I'll yeah. watch like an episode or two, you know, and I just I'm need like, risk. I need there yeah. to be a risk. Yeah. yeah. So, There's uh, gotta yeah, be stakes involved. Yeah. So, yeah. but he's, he's great in it. And so are the others. Yeah. One of them is now in Picard. Like yeah. they, a lot of people grew from that show too. Like kind of like skins, like everyone. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Like Daniel Kaluuya and all that stuff. But I'm trying to find the figure out what show was Ben Barnes in that that everyone branched out from too. Yeah, I feel like that Stardust I, is really good because everyone yeah, like Stardust. Stardust. Probably it. Yeah. yeah, Stardust because Charlie became in Marvel and then and Ben mm-hmm. was in Marvel. Um, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Uh, you know, Superman. Yeah, Claire Danes. You just need to get into a Marvel DC film. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really excited for season two. And again, I I can't imagine they're not going to like. Oh, there's going to totally be that. I, I feel, feel like, like there's going to be an announcement soon. Watching yeah. this, I feel like it was weird to me that they didn't do a three-season order for this, which was odd to me. They didn't in the first place. But it's going to be really interesting to see where it goes because in the second book and the third book, the second book, mostly the second book, he, he does some, like... You're like, oh, he made the shadow fold. That's really bad. Oh, he did the collar with Alina. It's really bad. And you're like, oh, he does some really dark stuff in the second book. Really horrific stuff to a couple of the characters that are beloved. It's going to be really interesting to see how people respond to it because those are the things that it's like, there's no, there's no coming back from some of the stuff he did. Like there were a few things that I, I remember reading the book for the first time and being like horrified at the reveal of what he did to one of the characters but I don't think you can have 
I think you have to have somebody like Ben Barnes in the role who is so charismatic and so charming and so generally likable because like that's what runs the risk of like really pushing an audience away. So yeah, I'm just really, I'm really interested to see how, if they do the same exact things the way they did them in the book, I'm going to be really interested to see how people respond to that mm-hmm. because this isn't like the end of the season. It's like, well, he's, he's bad, but maybe he could still be redeemed. And then you get to those moments in the books and you're like, oh yeah, there's no coming back from this. Like, that's just, he's a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a feeling they're going to, if they're going to announce two and three, and then they're going to mm-hmm. shoot it all together all at once, just to mm-hmm. save time and, and energy. I just I'm curious of how it's going to interact with the crows and and Alina's story. Mm-hmm. Like, it again. looks like they're setting up the stories from Six of Crows this season. Yeah, but then mm-hmm. it, the Six of Crows uh, like heist story, which I, I haven't I haven't read that part yet. But how is it going to intertwine with mm-hmm. uh, the second book for Alina? You know, like yeah. yeah so I'm I'm wondering if they're going to do like Alina's story and then Six of Crows story, and then 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 put them all together. Like each mm-hmm. season is going to. Yeah. like corresponds so then it'll be the final showdown yeah they decide to do so I don't know it's just like like I'm looking forward to it I'm looking forward to how they're gonna put the show together and how Ben Barnes is gonna create this full full character th- through the end but I'm just glad I like Mal <laughs> yeah for me uh, and I said this in a previous episode I really hope that we get to see more of the crows and even Mal and Alina's paths cross again a bit more because they all had great chemistry with each other at the very end of the season. And I love in fantasy shows when characters have different storylines, they meet back, they meet together, Mm -hmm. they can go off and do their own thing, but they got to come back together at some point. And especially like setting up stuff for Inej and Alina, like they look like they've got a great friendship and I want to see more of that. I know I still needed to read the Shadow and Bone books in particular to see like what specifically happens for Alina and like her journey, but I love the crow so places. much. I yeah. I believe it, you know, but I hope that part of the some of the places that she goes in the Netflix series has yeah. to do with the crows too, because I think they all have like a great dynamic as well. It's gonna and- be interesting because this was all prequel to their books, but if but it seems like at the end of the season they set up the crow story from the books mm-hmm. which they might not have um i'm just assuming that because in the books nina is part of their crew yes and she joins them and i'm like okay but they could just do like almost like another different side story like that nina just happens to be in but it seems like they're setting up their story from the books and if that's the case i'm going to be interested to see how it works because it takes them away from Ketterdam and I don't want to spoil anything, but it's, it's a heist shocker. It's the crows. And they have, they actually spend a lot of the time for their books in Fjorda. So I'm like, mm-hmm. and there's, and in book two, they do spend part of their time in Fjorda, but it's, it's very brief and it's kind of the beginning. So I'm like, Oh, that's gonna be really interesting. So yeah. So I'm wondering if, if there's a way they're going to tie them together briefly, or if they're basically going to have their own, it's also gonna be like two series going on at the same time. Yeah, and they'll come yeah. back together in like the third season because I don't know how there's a way they're gonna be able to do the crow story, tie it back to what happens at the end of season three. So they're I, I think they're gonna or like the third book is I'm I'm assuming that it's one season per book. So I'm really curious because I'm I'm really impressed with how Eric Heiser wove these together in the first place. But yeah. it's only gonna get harder as they have to start figuring out like 
do we still stick with the crows like a whole made-up story that's not from the books or do we start weaving their books together because all mm-hmm. of Nina and Matias's story that yeah. wasn't the book yeah so it's I'm gonna be really interested to see how they how they do that but getting back to Ben Barnes of the Darkling he <laughs> is I mean he does play he's almost like not in it as much in books two and three but he plays almost a greater role in some ways Mm -hmm. because now it's like his forces versus Alina's forces and it's the you know forces of darkness literally versus forces of light kind of working on their game plan you know for the final clash I do have a question and I you can spoil it for me if you want to but something that I kind of picked up on in while watching season one is there is the darkling and you have a sun summoner do they have a child who is like the chosen one to end everything? Like, I just, I don't know what it was, but- Are you asking, do they have sex and have a do child Do they have together? sex and do they have a child? And I feel like with two powerful people with opposite, you know, opposite abilities, does something come from the merging of that? gotta go with no okay <laughs> I will say I, I, that as yeah. as as in the show in the book and I this is one of the areas in the book where I thought it was handled really well is she didn't do that waffling like I can save you I can well maybe mm-hmm. if I just try again he'll be bet different this time no Alina's like you're a monster no she's they're weirdly drawn together like she'll mm-hmm. check on him because she's lonely and she feels again in that weird way like he is the only one that can understand her but there is no like okay willing attraction there is no like she is very much which I appreciate that she's very much like no I'm not going to be that little girl that falls for his like charms like no that's yeah, good imagine the, the seduction I'm feeling or like the pool I'm feeling toward you is the same mm-hmm. thing that everybody feels and I can ignore it now yeah so yeah. imagine it being like the last Jedi the energy drawn of Kylo mm-hmm. and Rey yeah that's that's what's going to be for the second book okay that's good to know. And honestly, like I was really impacted by when it was kind of cheesy too, but I kind of loved it anyways. Kerrigan scene with Mal, like saying like, time is against you. Time is on my side. I'm immortal. She can hate me for a while, but she can forgive me also. You are going to grow old and die. And I found that very like fascinating of, oh, maybe there is a point where like, because they are both immortal, they come back together and stuff like that so well I'm glad to know that at least like she can recognize like yes we are lonely I mean, we could have far- a part two whenever the second one comes out we could have a chat about that oh yeah like so I mean, there are also two more books after six of crows and crooked kingdom there's yeah. um the king of scars and rule of wolves with wolves this is the most recent one that came out in March yes that's right yeah, which I, you know, also I've got nothing but time until season two comes out for me to read these books and be well caught up by the time season yeah. two rolls around and <laughs> we can do this conversation again and be like, wow, I was really off on that. But that's it's actually, it's really interesting, actually, because I went back and I like blew through the first three books again the week that it came out. It's a lot of reading and writing that week just because I was doing so much content, I was kind of like running all the content for that show. And so I wanted to do, pull out a lot of pieces from the books and comparisons mm-hmm. and stuff. And it, it was actually, it's really interesting seeing how it's almost like a really good little mini crash course and how to adapt a book and reading the books and then 
turning right around and watching the, the show, mm-hmm. it was really interesting seeing like, okay, so the, these problems I had with the, the books, they really upgraded those. And you could tell those were the same things that she was like, I'm not really happy about this, or I don't really like this part. Mm-hmm. And it was a, kind of a masterclass in how to weave in storylines together like that. So it was really, it was just really interesting, but all of them too, like all of them understood the assignment, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, looking forward, the table. I'm looking forward to Ben performing as Kerrigan with the scars because you know he does still even though like it's kind of like with Billy Russo's character like with all the scars and stuff and Logan you know he he's gonna have to portray the strong use his energy that like that way but also kind of have that inner feeling of he's a monster Mm -hmm. and accepting that and I'm looking forward to seeing him perform this way I feel like he's had practice and then I feel like this one will be the best performance of all of them because he's had that practice mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to how he's going to treat how how he's going to move forward with this mm-hmm. villainous role because before yeah. he was hiding it but now it's like it's known yeah so it's also like that. it's out yeah. in the open baby it's also like in let's the books go too and I think it'll probably be the same thing the show it looks like is that fight in the shadow fold where he survives and comes out he's different he's darker, he's different. Like Laura said, like he doesn't have to hide being a monster, but even beyond that, he's made more monstrous by what he has to do in the Shadowfold to survive because he uses Merzost again. And that's how he creates the um, Nichevoya. I can't, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's Nichevoya uh, or something like that, but it's the shadow creatures. Mm. And so where he's, he's kind of a little wheels off, like in the second book he's a little more desperate he's a little bit more wheels off he never expected alina to stop him he never expected her to choose mal over him and he also came very close to death in the shadow fold and had to call upon the dark magic again and like pull that darkness from within to survive and so he's different in the book in the second book like he's a little bit more he's not effing around anymore he's not putting up that front anymore but he's also a little bit more He's closer to a monster than a man in the second book, and the third yeah. book even more so. And I'm looking forward to Bang doing that. Yeah, really it'll be interesting to, to see. That. Yeah, how he does that because <laughs> now he doesn't, like you said, Laura, he doesn't have to put up the pretense nope. anymore. Yeah, like now he can be like you, like fine then, make me your villain. Okay, like, all like right, here it is. Yeah, I'm you know. be the villain. Although gonna... still hot with the black scars on his face, still hot. I, so hot. I'm you so can, mad. They can like, do as much as they hotter. can. Weirdly yeah, hot. It's the hair. It was the well, messed up no, like, tassel hair. And then also right. yeah. say he goes, follow. And I'm just like, oh my God, yeah, I will. Oh, yes, I will. Yeah. Yes, I will. Like, <laughs> don't, don't mind if I do. <laughs> and also. But yeah, something about the scars, just like it amplifies it. Like they don't beat him up enough, you know? You want to add some Unless you make his whole face into a scar, I don't think you can hide that beauty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. And those shadow creatures in the, in book two, he, they, they play a big role. Like they, yeah. they actually, it's not just like, Oh, this is a cool trick he can do. Like they actually play like a real pivotal role in like book two and three. And they do stuff that like affects other characters, like into like the books after. Oh, wow. Yeah. So again, when I say he, he kind of it's, it's something that bad girl keeps saying and she says it a lot in the books and she said it in the show and she says in the books that she basically says like there's a line that when alina's like i think it's book three and alina is she's like why are you like why do you keep trying to save him or why do you care or something like that and bagra basically says like he's a monster and bagra says that but he's still my son and i don't 
I'm willing to do this because I don't ever want him to get to the point where he's too far gone to ever have hope of being redeemed. Mm. And we'll say that by the end of the books, he's mostly there. Like, so it's a real hard turn into like monstrous villainy. And I'm so excited to see, because I can see him having just a ton of fun. Like, yeah. 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 I want to see the background stuff of him just being all intense. Like, and then say cut. Hey guys, let's go get some ice cream. Like, you know, yeah. like I just want to have that kind of stuff. Like he's just like, and then hey, let's go. Like, I just I really want to see that. Also, I can't wait for this. Just always be in black. He should just always yes. be in oh black. Oh my god. Like, oh and when they were like, oh, black is yeah. his color. I'm like, yeah, yes. it's his color. Like the I mean, demon eyes, changed. too. Like he, he has the most the darkest eye, eyes I've ever seen, like in a human being, which is perfect <sighs> for this role. So I'm like. Like, years ago i had a friend tell me that she couldn't she didn't understand my thing for him because she says and i quote she's like i think he has shark eyes and i was so offended and i am a grown-ass woman and i'm still offended by that today like i think about that <laughs> quote at least once a month and i'm still just mad all over again and i'm just like i don't blame i'm mad for you right now too <laughs> like what well, like, I'm mad on his behalf. Like, how dare, I, how dare, how dare you? you? You know what? I know people who call it demon eyes, but the thing is we find de- demons sexy. So I think it's okay yeah. to, to call it that. So shark, I don't Why get Why do it. you think paranormal romance does so well? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mess me up, hellboy. Like, I don't care. Well, not hellboy. Right? Not hellboy. <laughs> I don't watch Lucifer, but I feel like that has a big role of, you know, like sexy demon, you know. You know. Yeah. It's he's there. fun he's a lot of fun but then yeah he, that's another character that's a lot of fun you don't really take him seriously and then he like and then all of a sudden he turns on the charm and this like sex appeal and you're like oh oh, oh. okay tom ellis i see what you're doing tall yeah. dark handsome welsh drink of water i was about to say is like british. is he british well yeah, of course from the aisles i have a type <laughs> oh same I- yeah. It started with Ben Barnes, but like it's only grown from there. Like I'm pretty obsessed with Richard Madden. I think he's super attractive and totally the accent like goes with it. I cannot wait for Eternals. Like sign me up. I once had a friend ask me, he's like, why, why are you, why British guys? And I'm like, and it's funny because I can pick one out of a lineup. I'm like, oh, he's hot. And my friend's like, how did you know he's British? I'm like, I didn't, but I'm just like, I'm American. And I don't know if you've met American men, but they're American men. (laughs) British men are basically just American men with different accents, but they make it sound really good. Well, depending on the region, there's some- You know know what that was like, there's this gift that I think it's from The Bachelor where this guy said, I would be 33% more attractive if I had a British accent. And I'm like, valid. Yeah. That's it. That's that's all you need. And thankfully, Ben Barnes isn't just accent and good looks. He is, in our eyes, I think, the total package. And he he has understood the role. And I think he has hit his stride when it comes to playing these complex villains, especially in television, because it gives him that much more time to like breathe and really add layers to these characters. And I want to close off our time with, you know, it's been so great to see just this evolution of Ben Barnes and his career. And I am hopeful for him and his future. And I want to know what y'all think. What is something that you would like to see him tackle next outside of the Grishaverse that he is currently in? Mm. 
Um, a couple things, actually. I had, I knew that he actually, they were looking at him for a role early, early on. I don't even know if it's a role that still like ended up in the show, but for a Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes. Which is, which is interesting and pretty much confirms that Marvel Studios is like, all those TV shows, F those, they're not canon anymore. Multiverse, baby. But um, <laughs> I think that would be fun to see him do like a proper marvel thing that doesn't get you know canceled after two seasons Mm -hmm. despite how much fans like them i'm not bitter or anything but i I mean i'm still holding out for hope for charlie cox and daredevil to make a reappearance so also another one add him to the list of british men that i spider-man coming up and exactly yeah so but i would i would be really interested in seeing Ben Barnes do something that's not like the sci-fi genre or sci-fi fantasy kind of genre for a little while or comic books. I'd almost love to see him. I think it'd be really interesting to see him in like a period piece, like a Jane Austen. I don't uh, think I can, I can handle that. I don't think I could actually physically and mentally handle that. I have seen a pitch <laughs> for him to replace Theo James in season two of Sanditon. Oh and I'm like, let him do it. I don't know if I handle that. Um, <laughs> or I think it'd be really fun to see him do horror. Ooh. Like, I'm just imagining covered in blood. Like, I just think horror would be fun. Like, and it's not something that I, like, it's weird because I don't know that I've ever seen him do it or that he ever would do it, which is exactly why I think it could be fun to see him do it because it's so unexpected because he's done, he's done rom-com. He's done drama. He's done fantasy. He's done comic books. He's done, he's done a little of, I mean, I guess he has done period with Dorian Gray, but you know, now that he's evolved as an yes. actor, which well, he also actor. played Sam Ad- uh, Samuel Adams. Oh, so good. Yeah, so, good. so good. Sons of Liberty. So good. Yeah, Such but he, had, he didn't, series. he had an American accent, so it's okay. Such a good series. <laughs> yeah. Such swagger in that. Like he had such swagger. Um, I'm like, I don't think our founding fathers were this hot, like, but okay. Like I'll roll with it. But yeah, so I think I'd like to see him in, in that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm always interested to see him in anything, but obviously, but I would like to see him in those. You know, I, I, I love to see him in anything. I don't think I could handle, like mentally handle him being in the period piece because he's so, he would be so charming, but I'd actually like, I, I would love to see him in like, do the trifecta of like comic book, do sci-fi, like, you know, that kind of stuff. But I definitely, you know, he's just so good. I, I would love to see him do a comedy. Mm-hmm. just because or musical musical comedy like mama mia three or something <laughs> like um yeah i know you love mama mia that's man. exactly so. my pitch and i watched mama mia here we go again the other night and thinking i could see him in a sequel like right? let's do the mama mia cinematic universe let's yeah. throw him in he could like be in the flashback movie of seeing Cher fall in love with Fernando <laughs> and he's like the friend there too like I don't care like like yeah I, I think I, we should see him in a musical I, I need to see him in a musical because he sings and he sings beautifully and I feel mm-hmm. like he he showcases his 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 art and I feel like I would love to see him in a musical like a comedy musical because one we never get to see him be funny he, mm-hmm. he I don't think I, I don't think I want him to host us now Oh, I feel like just knowing, how, like, just not, I don't know him, know him, but I just feel like if he were to do SNL, I bet you he's going to sing in his opening thing, just monologue. I just, that's just, if I, if that happens, I'm going to be like, I told y'all. So uh, I definitely want him to see some comedy because we've always seen him as a, as this dark, dramatic guy. 
but I would love to see him do like a funny piece and also like a musical comedy or just comedy in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just this saying that about comedy, now. it made me think of he could do something like Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, like how Jamie Dornan. Oh my role. god, Jamie Dornan. He would be perfect <laughs> in a role like that. It's comedic. He has a solo number. Uh, he was a villain, but he falls in it's just so great. I love that movie. I think it is one of the best so far of this year. But I could see Ben Barnes, like I think that'd be a fun switch for him to kind of get to exercise that the musical side of him even like something like Eurovision I feel like you know with Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell like that movie I feel like yeah yeah well Dan Stevens was hilarious Dan Stevens was hilarious and I think like he's he's of the Netflix family they clearly love him they could make a Eurovision sequel he could be in it it could be great Oh my God, especially since he auditioned for Eurovision for the UK. I think that would be even better if he played even a boy better. band version. Oh, all right, Alicia, I, I know suddenly you got to- my favorite. I, I suddenly like this popped in my head. Put if make Spy 2 and make him the villain, but a comedic villain. Oh, <laughs> well, when will movie. Paul give us that? When imagine will Paul him, give us imagine that? Imagine him acting across from like Melissa McCarthy and Jason Statham and just amazing comedic potential. Yeah, I just need them to do some something funny and something just so we can see that funny and killing Bono. Like he has good comedic timing. He He just never is allowed to use it. It's almost like I wish they would. It's like Chris Hemsworth when exactly. I mean, Chris Hemsworth has kind of always done funny stuff because Thor's always been a little comedic, but then like then he did Ghostbuster and I was like, I was like, what the, you know, or like, and, and Thor Ragnarok. And I'm like, holy God, like, this is a revelation. Like as funny as he was in the Thor movies, Ghostbusters was a revelation watching Chris Hemsworth Kevin. as Kevin. <laughs> yes. so I always say that my cat Keats, he is the cat version of Kevin from Ghostbusters. Like that's hundred percent his personality. But I, I like let hot men be funny. Yeah, I know it's yes. deeply unfair that they're hot and funny. But still, also let hot men be funny. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. Chris Hemsworth's entire career like changed once he did. Like, yes, it was big when he did Thor and he was a part of the Avengers, sure. But the moment that he did Ghostbusters, it was like a sign to everybody wait a second, he is hilarious. And thank you, Taiko Waititi, for tapping into that for Ragnarok. And like, it has caused a rebirth of not just Thor, because, you know, we're getting more of him, but even like Men in Black and some of these other movies that he's doing, he's leaning so far into his comedy chops, which Men in Black International, not a great movie, but he is so charming, delightful, and goes for the funny bits that, you know, you can't help but like root for that. So I'd like to see Ben Barnes, you know, get that chance. You know, you know what role he'd be fantastic in? Mr. Fantastic. Oh, awesome. oh, oh, there we go. Ben would Barnes be. would be an awesome Reed Richards. Oh my God, he would be. Put a little gray be. in his temples. Yeah. Or go for a younger version. I would love that, but I would also equally... I don't want that either. I My whole thing for Fantastic Four, because I care so much about marvel's first family i really want it to be a bunch of unknowns i don't want to bring any kind of preconceived notion about them and as much as i love ben barnes and i would totally support him in doing that i would also be like 
oh my gosh, this is going to follow you for a long time. I don't want this to like wreck you in any way. Plenty of Marvel people have double timed like roles and stuff before, like Jimmy Chan, Minerva, and now, you know, being Mm -hmm. Cersei Mm -hmm. to uh, like go from him being Billy Russo and be Reed Richards. Fantastic. But Oh, I, I, I want a bunch of unknowns for it, yeah. which I think is a little Which selfish, Marvel usually but. does for like earlier cast. Maybe not as much now, but they did. Yeah. yeah. I love this, the article that. Doom. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be a good doom. He'd be Ooh. even good. This is kind of, he's. Get more scars on his face. Right in coloring. He's like not right in his. like. Oh yeah. Color, yeah. Yeah. But Adam Warlock or not. Yeah. Adam Warlock. Like just yeah. the, like perfection of physical. Oh, beauty. beauty that has to like kind of play it very like distant at first like almost like you know James Dr. Gunn Manhattan, if you're listening to this gets more like kind of playing it very distant like Dr. Manhattan and then slowly gets more human I think he could be really good in that role James Gunn if you're listening hi hello how are you cannot wait for the Suicide Squad you should totally do this although in my heart Jensen Ackles will play Adam Warlock but he never will he doesn't Jensen. want to do another man who is shockingly beautiful in person just like who like you need to tell me your skincare routine like your skin is amazing you know what you know what's called hollywood mm, yeah hollywood being rich. that's what it's called having money. being rich <laughs> being having rich. money is what that's called mm-hmm. yeah there's just i think i don't know i I'm, i hope that with punisher and westworld and shadow and bone i'm hoping that hollywood is finally kind of recognizing what Ben Barnes can do and is willing to give him different roles outside of just, okay, we're going to give you a sword and go fight fantasy stuff now because he's so talented. And I, and I, but I think really he's only like started to scratch the surface of what he can do. Yeah. Well, he's still young. I know everyone's like, Oh, he's, he's 39. I'm like, like, Oh, you know, Hollywood old and stuff, but not for men. Men don't have to deal with that. Stuff. No. No. He's still young though. He still has he's going to age. Career. He's going to get the like salt pepper hair. And then he's going to, it's going to be, annoying. he's aging like, like a fine wine. So I'm not really worried. Yeah. About it's going to be annoying. Like I actually, I got so mad watching shadow and bone. Like I have this weird reaction when I see, do you ever see someone that's just so hot? Like you actually like feel a surge of anger. Yes. Like it's just unfair. Like, like because what? you know you're never gonna have it like you're <laughs> yeah. never gonna have it and your brain just like doesn't even know what to do with it it's like the feeling like what is it was it Stenhall syndrome when somebody like looks at a painting or they they like will start crying they'll get like really emotional or whatever and and I'm like that's what I feel there are a couple of moments watching Shadow and Bone where he was like so just scorchingly beautiful on screen that I I yelled f off at my laptop and I like slammed it shut and walked away like I needed a break <laughs> like it was too it was too much he's too hot he's too like I can't I can't deal like I yeah. and I just got mad I just got mad about it I was like I was like just yeah. go to just f off and I yelled and I scared my cats and they were I was like yes I'm yelling at the hot man on my laptop screen because I can't deal with how hot he is so I'm just mad I'm just mad I'm just mad at, and I walked away. I had to, and I did not come back and finish that episode for a week. It was one of my screeners. <laughs> you know, I respect that. I had to take it like two episodes at a time, honestly, for me, because like I would get caught up of just like, ooh, you're really sexy, but I don't really trust you. So I kind of need some like time apart before I could dive anymore. Buffer, any emotional buffer here. Yes. 
ladies, thank you so much for just spending this time, like chatting Ben Barnes with me. Like, <laughs> well, A, I'm very happy I have a podcast that I can just record one of these just long conversations about, hey, this guy is really great. But B, to be able to have two wonderful guests who are like so eloquent to be able to like express all the different layers about how great Ben Barnes is and just what he's done in his career so far and what we're excited to see him do moving forward. And so I'm just, I'm so thankful for y'all. Where can uh, people find you? Alicia, I'll start with you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us too. It was a ton of fun. When you said in the beginning, you're like, it's probably gonna be about an hour. I'm like, okay, we'll see. (laughs) It's like, will it though? People can find me uh, at Screen Rant, but uh, mostly on Twitter. That's probably the easiest and where I'm the most active. And since my name's weird, I'll just spell that. It's, you can find me at Alicia Grouso, A-L-I-S-H-A-G-R-A-U-S-O. It will be included in the description. Don't you fret. <laughs> um, yeah, me, uh, Laura, you can find me on, I, I write for a whole bunch of different places. So the Nerd to Color, um, Nerdist, What to Watch, and a few other places. So I'll always be tweeting where where my articles are. Uh, I did so many for Shadow and Bone. So, but I, and I'm hoping I can do more um, when the second one comes out. But yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter at L-S-I-R-I-K-U-L, L-S-I-R-I-K-U-L. And I'm always tweeting. And honestly, you could totally find me. I think once a day I'm tweeting about Ben Barnes or Shadow and Bone or both. <laughs> or Milo the goat. It's delightful to see on my timeline, honestly. So yeah. definitely worth watching. And yes, of course, bringing up Milo the goat, who is the literal goat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad of all the new, like, I'm, I'm so glad of, I mean, there were some new characters added and like Milo's my favorite. I, I want everyone's favorite. <laughs> I want Milo to get an expanded role in season two. Get spin off. He needs to find his way to come back. <laughs> All of those Milo people would have been dead. Yes. It's just a storyline of him just wandering through the woods. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I would watch all of that. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Meredith Loftus. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Fangirl Forum Pod. Thank you so much for joining. I hope you have a fantastic day. See you next time.